Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from wherever and whenever you're listening to. This is a Peripety of Theatre podcast, Flipping the Script, with today's guest, Bernadette. Hello, Bernadette. Good morning to you. How are you today? Hello, Adam. I'm good, thank you. How are you? How are you doing? Very well. It's a nice, sort of sunny, beautiful day down here. Yeah. Soaking up those rays. Yeah, it's really sunny here as well in Scotland, which is quite, like, unusual, because here it's always, like, either, like, super windy or super rainy. Classic Scottish weather. But at least you're making Scottish weather. (laughs) At least you're making the most out for sunshine. So let's get into it then, Bernadette. Um, How was the the arts for you as growing up? What was the arts like? Um, So I'm from Budapest, Hungary. Um, So the arts are like completely different in Europe than in Britain. It's like less contemporary and and like less political. So I grew up on like classics, like going to the theater was always just the classics, like Ibsen, Shakespeare, just we didn't have any like contemporary Hungarian playwrights. It was just always like a new version of the classics. And um, my dad used to work as a sound engineer in a theater. So both of my parents are quite interested to go to like art or like go to opera or go to see a play. So I grew up doing that very often, you know, but in Hungary it's quite like an elitist thing. So you would like dress up in like a really like nice, you know, dress and yeah. makeup, make your hair, make your hair, and it's like a special occasion which you're like super excited about, and you know, like. But it, but it always felt like just different, you know. Like you never seen like young people there. Mm. You never seen like anything. Because yes, like Ibsen and Shakespeare talks a lot of issues which you can relate your contemporary society to but it's not as clear and you don't feel it as like close to you so it was like different and then I moved to London when I was 19 and I did English lit for my BA and then I experienced a completely different part here where there were like young people going there it was kind of like an edgy you know environment where people just like express like very contemporary issues and connected and like you heard yourself through the play and you felt more yourself within the play and that was really exciting like I'm I feel really grateful having both experience in my life. I mean let's talk a bit about that sort of European experience of theatre because a lot of the time when I ask that question what's the first memory of the arts for a British person they will often say panto or they'll often say music musical theatre so what sense is there I know we we mentioned sort of the classical element towards the the work that they do there but is there any sort of children theatre there is there any sort of musical sort of family event theatre yeah there is and I was taken to those events as well but they didn't like register with me that much like I don't remember most of it we don't have a big musical theatre scene in Europe I I, in Hungary I don't want to say in Europe just yeah yeah Uh, in Hungary so I wasn't introduced to that early on so I feel like for me my my memory of art is just like growing up jumping to like being I don't know 10 12 and remembering going to this like intense night you know seeing people 
dying or seeing people being super sad about like not be able to love someone else or like all these like really intense dramatic things which I didn't understand because I was really young but I felt something special within you know I didn't get that you know like homeless being so existential is something which I can feel I just felt that like they talk really like intensively this is sick a lot of things happening this is so much fun I don't know what's happening but I know it, it must be a lot and it's yeah. so intense so that was really fun you know and I think what's impactful about your sort of upbringing as well is you, your dad was working in the theatre so that must, uh-huh. have, must have really helped in, in sort of when this became the career goal for you explaining that yeah. to your parents it did um, I think that was also a different experience because I've never been around my dad to be like oh I'm gonna watch this play or I'm gonna it was always like being at the backstage like having my dad building up the microphone or having my dad checking the sound thing or like getting that like part of that sense of being part of the team or being part of the theater world and I felt very much at home all the time and I don't know if it's because obviously my dad worked that or if because the company who my dad worked was just very lovely like just incredible people but I always felt that they were like my second family when I was growing up and I felt like at home in the theatre you know or like in those institution institutions I mean it's interesting that you mentioned the backstage bit because you're obviously a writer that that's what you do so you're not often backstage I'm mm-hmm. a director I'm not often backstage but I know sort of my experience from university I used to be a dresser in costume mm-hmm. so that sort of for a brush behind backstage that sort of adrenaline mm-hmm. it, it's often part of the show but we don't get to see as sort of yeah. those outsiders that create the piece yeah I feel like my experience as a writer comes with the idea when there is like rehearsals like I'm in the rehearsal room I see all these people building up a piece you are you know leading them to develop feelings and like get to understand the story so I feel like that's a backstage for me to know what happened when you know like what happens before a play being put on on the stage when did you take that then and think actually yeah this is going to be a career for me that was a bit of a hard part for me just because so I did high school in Budapest and I was aspiring to be a doctor I wanted to be I wanted to be like yeah I wanted to like help people just cure them so I did biology and chemistry it's kind of like a levels but just yeah. Hungary. but then I hated it and I I felt that I had to like study a lot and I had to like learn a lot about it but but it was something which I didn't enjoy and then I remember going to like literature classes and talking about love and the experience of living talking yeah. about relationships talking about like what it means to be human and I felt this like intense fulfillment and excitement and I felt alive and then I knew that that's what I wanted to do it took me like years to be fine with that because you know in society when you're an artist or you're choosing an art path in your life people kind of like look down on you or like you know my parents knew that I was gonna struggle you know like it means that you're just not gonna have money and and that's a bit hard on your parents when they just want you to be happy and like comfortable in your life so then it took me a year to figure it out that I'm actually gonna do this like I actually 
gonna do art, whatever it means, whatever it takes me. So I did English Lit for my BA. And then throughout like English Lit, I just realized how much I love theater and how much I have been loving theater all in my life. Where did you do your BA at? So I did it at University of Greenwich. Okay. Uh, so it's like Southeast London. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice because my theater lecturer, he's like a big scholar um, on Harold Pinter. So he was just very like influential on me about going into theater and then also going into and explore Harold Pinter and Beckett, but also contemporary playwrights like Mark Ravenhurst, Sarah Kane, Martin Krim. Yeah. And I feel like thankfully because of my English lit education, I know so much about drama, which I think is very important when you're playwright. Yeah. To know the, the, the know the difference between and um, the similarities between, yeah. I think it definitely the, is useful. And knew the difference between like what you write, how it comes out on the other end. You yeah. know, that's that like dramaturgy, like yeah. what it means, like what you like playing with with your characters or the storyline, what it causes for the audience and what yeah. it makes them to think about. I mean, we'll probably get into this later on in the, the discussion, but the thing that we often say when we're doing audio drama is casting who's listening, so cast your audience. And I think we don't use that too much in theatre, but I think, yeah, casting the audience is something that's probably useful for when you're writing yeah. as well. Let's go back into sort of that BA level there. So what did you use your focus upon in, in that sort of BA? What what did you want to explore? So I did my um, I did my dissertation on Harold Pinter and his use of silence because I just felt so fascinated by how much with his plays you get so much absurdity, but it's not within the language or not within the characters much. They're a bit weird sometimes, but it's just the space and like silence which he leaves for the audience to just kind of fell into this like gap of absurdity and like I don't know you know like his plays are so funny but then you find yourself feeling really uncomfortable and really like something just not okay with the world and with you and with everything yeah and it was just fascinating. And then I was reading one of my flat, one of my flatmates back then was studying philosophy. So I was really interested in philosophy back then. And I came across Wittgenstein and his use of silence and language. And I just felt like good for me to like combine Wittgenstein yeah. with Harold Pinter. Explain that theory a bit more because that, that's a theory that I've never heard of before. So what is oh. the theory about? Yeah, it's been two years, so you can test me now. And maybe some of the <laughs> listeners gonna be like. Like she doesn't know what she's talking about. So he says that words and language, they are like games, which we just use to like interact with each other. But I think like the core idea is that when I say, for example, when I say I love you, it means different for everyone. What I mean by I love you is different what you or any of the listeners would say to me that, you know, when they say I love you, because it we just different. And like, we can't express it more. We can't be like, like oh I love you because like 
well, I mean, I care about you and I want to make a tea for you every morning and I want to make, I want to bake a cake for you every, you, you would, you would just consume all your time if you tried yeah. to explain beyond the words. And it's also, I think it's impossible to get into that part, which is beyond the words. So what Wittgenstein says is that language fails us and silence is something where we can find each other. And I think that's what Harold Pinter does as well. He acknowledges that me saying life is really bad takes away the meaning and the feeling behind it. It just becomes like nonsensical. It just becomes like life is shit. But when you just trigger, use words to trigger something within you, when you understand, when you get to that part beyond the word, you feel connected more what is beyond the word, what is beyond the meaning. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, instead of saying... I love you. You can just say things or do things which gets to that level in you. Yes. And then you connect through that. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's the most powerful thing ever as well. I mean, I think it's interesting that sort of words fail us because it's a language barrier as well. I don't know if you have difficulty with this in terms of writing within English because with English, we just use I love you. Whereas in European languages, there's five different words and phrases for I love you that's dedicated to a a set individuals so you can say I love you to your parents you can say I love you to your loved one you can say I love you to your children but there's different ways in which saying it do you think there's a language barrier when it comes to the English language I think so I mean I feel a language barrier even when I talk but because it's not my mother tongue but also I think I genuinely have like anxiety around talking like I tend to whenever I go home to Hungary people pick on that I have an accent and then they would be like oh like you haven't been living here like what are you doing yeah. and I express myself weirdly in Hungary and like sometimes I just have an anxiety around speaking and expressing myself and it happens in Hungarian and in English as well so I feel like it made sense for me to love the idea of what Wittgenstein talks about because it kind of like gives me a chance just to be fine being a bit clumsy <laughs> with my language or like with my expressions but I think with writing it is difficult I think what I'm struggling a lot with is that obviously because I'm not English my English is always a copy of someone's English yeah. and with playwriting I copied a lot from Sarah Crane Mark Ravenhill Martin Cream and their way of writing so it's not just like for me to find myself with my writing but as a Hungarian playwright finding myself with English playwriting yeah. and not just like copy what English playwrights write which is really difficult and because I'm so at the beginning of my career I have not been able to figure out how to do that. But I think the even though you're at the early stages of your career from what I can say because we do have sort of a strong working relationship is the more text that you give me the more stronger identity that I feel about each piece. Mm-hmm. We've already done sort of two versions of One Can You Hear Me? And we'll probably talk about this a a little bit later on. But we've done two versions of that. And then there's still that development that's come through that piece. So it's Mm -hmm. become stronger the more times that we've done it. And if we do it again in the future, I'm sure it will be more stronger. So I think there is that strong identity that that is coming through um, from your work. 
let's move into the MA then. And this is where we sort of first met. So talk a little bit about your MA, Bernadette. So I did an MA in playwriting at Royal Holloway, where you did your MA as well. It was really nice. It was nice to be forced to engage with the field, but not just as a playwright. Like I remember we had a lot of acting classes and I hate acting. Like yeah. I'm such an introvert. I'm like, just leave me. I don't want to be seen or anything. Yeah. But it was really nice experience to see what's happening on the stage or like what they're doing or what is that amazing thing which actors create on the stage, which is so similar to reality. And they feel so authentic about it. I, it was just a beautiful experience. I learned a lot about like acting and I developed a lot of respect towards actors and acting. Yeah. And it was just really interesting to like engage with ideas as like immersive theater or writing for communities or um, comedy, which I don't do because I'm really yeah. bad. But it was just really nice to be forced to get out of your own tiny bubble yeah. which I think we artists tend to do because we feel like this is what I'm doing like I feel like because I have to go around and navigate myself in this field by showing myself to be like this is what I do I'm a playwright I'm interested in silence I'm interested in the unconsciousness I tend to forget there is a huge field around it yeah. and because I haven't engaged with it it doesn't mean I'm not good at it or it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in um, yeah. doing it so the MA was just a really good reminder reminder of that to force myself to see other parts of the field and be like this is really interesting I might not be doing it but this is fascinating and it's yeah. incredible that people do that so that was really really and it was really nice to work with you guys yeah I think I think just the, the the benefit of the listeners out there what Bernadette's sort of indicating towards that is there was a collaboration between the MA playwrights and the MA first directors so it was really it was really useful because it has gave us sort of working relationships um, I don't think they're doing it, the playwrights in MA anymore, have you not? Yeah, I heard it, which is, which is quite sad. Yeah. It was useful because, again, it goes back to that finding the identity. Do you feel like you've found more of your identity through the work that you definitely, did? Definitely, definitely. And it's not just the work which I did, but the work which everyone else did. Yeah. I think that was, again, like one of the most beautiful things to see people that like, yes, you are interested in something similar to me. Like, or like, you know, have, people, have some people who just had a completely different interest than some others and it was just nice to see that like you guys are interested in the same thing so you're gonna collaborate and like I'm interested in like something like you and something like you and then see and what you said just develop my identity through these amazing connections within the field because I think that's you know we work with through collaborations and that's just like very important that we have learned that early on in our career I think. Do you think being because the MA is based in sort of a London vicinity do you think being based in London also helped identify you as an artist definitely when I was thinking about applying for MA I was looking at University of East Anglia because they have an MA in playwriting but it's based in Norwich and I was talking to my lecturer back in the day saying that like I'm really interested in Royal Holloway but also University of East Anglia because they seem like a nice they both seem really good and he was saying but you know moving to Norwich there is like 
no theater like you need to go to see what's happening right now like that's fine learning about what happened before but you are trying to be a contemporary playwright you need to see what's popping now like what's the new thing which people want to see which people talk about which people express and I think London's been always the best because of that like the world festival all the like fringe shows which go around like the world of theater in London just incredible like I remember before pandemic I used to go and you as well we used to go see like four shows every week I was spending loads of money on just seeing shows all the time yeah I miss it so much I miss it so much I think we all miss it yeah definitely that sort of going out sort of every night and it wasn't always the big shows that we used to do it was sort of those little shows at the vaults festival Mm -hmm. there's still the fringe shows that still was hugely impactful towards what we was doing Don My Warehouse had like amazing play you know yeah. like it was just so nice I really miss yeah. it I really miss it but hopefully in, in the coming weeks we're going to start seeing more and more sort of shows be put on I feel a big grateful about this whole experience because it was just nice to see that how much making digital theatre is something which I'm not like passionate about because I'm passionate yeah. about making theatre but I was able to adopt and still find joy within so it's I, I kind of feel like it was a good respond from the world to me that like yeah. what you're doing is what you love no matter what you what happens yeah you know and I feel really grateful for that experience well let's move into that early work because you are an artist that sort of has still created work within a global pandemic going on and that's sort of something to be commended because not many people have been able to do that so give us a rough guidance towards this sort of early work so I did a play called mom can you hear me which was part of the living record festival which is an online digital festival and I worked with you on the play which was really really nice it is also my MA showcase play uh, which happened a year ago so it's been a play which has been with me for a while now and I feel like just keep going back and back to it and like find new relationship to it and yeah just just give us a a rough indication of what the the play is based about so my play mom can you hear me is about a girl a girl's experience um trapped in a closed space within voices which indicates to other people it's about her experience of of like it's an experience of journey not just a physical journey but an existential journey about what is life what it means to be alive what we love what we love about living and what matters to us and also the journey of saying goodbye to those things it is a play which was inspired by the Essex Loridette from 2019 which I read back then and it was about 39 immigrants who were coming to the UK and then they died in the truck and I just felt very strong about it I can't really because I read news a lot there are like few news which makes me feel that strong and it's I just can't explain it what it was I just felt strong about those people I just had like days and days and days just going and thinking about them thinking about their life what they've given up but they have made like thinking about the fact that people just read 
this news and then move on their lives. Thinking about the fact that like someone died in such a horrible way, but then you move on with your comfortable, easy life and not respect what you got and what they don't have anymore. And I felt so strong about it that I knew that I wanted to write something. Yeah. I wanted to be really respectful. Because yeah, because my aim with the play was just to give respect to that story, but also force people that they should have responsibility for their living and for other people not having the chance for that. Yeah, and it, it's like I said on the first day of rehearsals when we had the actors there, it's an unimaginable circumstance in which we're trying to recreate because no one can imagine what it's, it feels like to be in, in that sort of atmosphere with all, all that's going on around you. Um, yeah. So to the best of our ability, what we need to do in a, in a respectful manner is to share this story with the world. Yeah, yeah it was a really hard play for me writing it as well. Like I was constantly engaging with this story, trying to be respectful, but also writing the feelings which I was assuming might have happened to them just really like like hit me home. Like I remember when I was writing it, I was away in Cornwall with one of my best friends and was just crying constantly when I was yeah. writing it. Because I I'm a person who like connects to things emotionally. I believe in emotions. I believe in empathy. I believe in intimacy. These are the things which I'm trying to recreate through my play. But I know that like I wanna ask the audience to feel intimate and emotional through my play. Then that's why I have to put in. And I always like try to put my deepest feelings, what I feel about life, love, people, my mom. Do you think this is a production that sort of changed your outlook on your practice? Yes, definitely. I think this is the production which I feel the most proud. I like feel that like I want it to be on my portfolio because it represents me. Because it yeah. represents what I'm doing, represents my writing. Talking about that portfolio then, what do you think there's a misunderstanding about your job or your position? What's the biggest misunderstanding? A lot. I think like I get sometimes weird questions being like so you just write a play and then like what do you do that or like you know like people assume the writing a play is just like I sit down spend a week on it finish my play and then someone just makes it happen and like and I bloody wish it was like that honestly <laughs> like please it's it's difficult my I have an idea I need an inspiration from somewhere it could be either a person outside who just makes me tick or it could be an action outside or it could be something which I read or it could be like anything I need an inspiration I need to write that down and it doesn't mean that that's gonna be a play like yeah. that might be a really shitty idea which is never gonna lead to anywhere and then I could work into that to develop it a bit to see that like where the story goes how I feel about it, what's happening to the characters are they like able to be characters like are they strong enough complex enough to be characters do they have aims and needs and wants can they like operate in this world which I created and most of the times it's not happening most of the times the characters become too flat most of the times their need becomes too basic most of yeah. the times just things don't work out but then there are chances that like sometimes I need 
need to revisit after six months and then see if they can like work again. So it's a really long process. Like mom, can you hear me? It's been like two years for me. And I feel like the strongest about it, but still not ready. Like I still feel like it's going to take me further and more things going to happen. So it's just like, it's never like, yeah, a week and then you're done. And it also involves a lot of research, but not just like research of, I don't know, how people live in Budapest and like what is the average at rate in Hungary or like these are not like just pure data researches but research of like people's stories or research of like we do a lot of um, and I hope other playwrights agree with me but we do a lot of like exercises for ourselves to explore the characters to explore yeah. the story from different perspectives like the play which I think the audience sees is just like the tip of the iceberg under yeah. that play there is a whole huge bird which we always have to develop to make the story real for someone you know and so it's, it's and there is not like one way I think like that's what I'm also struggling with being an artist that it's not just a way how someone can just tell you that you know like on Monday sit down write down like 10 pages the next day write down another 10 pages and then you know like the following day do some editing and send it off to like this theater and they're gonna make it it's not like clear what you're supposed to do it's so different from everyone yeah. and then after a lot of playwrights would contribute with the production side like a lot of playwrights do acting a lot of playwrights do directing a lot of playwrights do other things like we don't have most of the people in the art world don't have one clear job role you know and because we most of ourselves most of us I think do a lot of unpaid work just the passion towards art and the love towards art we have to do unpaid jobs we end up being like oh we don't have an actor okay I might gonna do that or oh we don't have a sound person okay I got this person they can do it we we most of the times have to make compromises and use all our skills to make an art happening and alive but it's it's never easy and I think that's the other thing which my parents were like really worried about when I chose art because there is no internship there's no like you yeah. think this six yeah, month yeah. internship then here you go you can put a play on young week and then here you go after the young week you get you put a play on the national and here you go after this and this and this yeah i think that's interesting and again that sort of it goes back to your training i think they, they've trained you to understand that this is what the future is going to be like so i think yeah. the more eyes that you get wide open the more interesting it becomes and more helpful it becomes we, we've had sort of a, a, a large quantity of name drop during this sort of um, conversation is there any recommendations that you have for us Bernadette? If it's like theatre I would always recommend Sarah Kane and Martin Cream because they are the best but if it's something to like people engage in the current world I think I would really recommend The Artist of the Floating World by Kazuo Ishiguro because it's just a beautiful book about an old retired artist who was doing a lot of paintings and work for the government in Japan throughout the Second World War and then he did a lot of his art just to be successful and for money and now that he's retired and looking back to what he did when he was a young artist he just like not he doesn't like regret it but he just like reflect on what it means your duty what it means your role as an artist 
And I think it's something which I really enjoyed reading during the pandemic, just to engage with the idea of your role as an artist and like what your influence is and like what your place is in the world. Interesting. I think that's a really interesting book. I'll definitely give that a read. So thank you for that, Bernadette. Penultimate question then. What are you excited for about the future? I'm very excited about seeing life and not just me experiencing life, like me going to pubs and theater but seeing people going to theater i i remember just before the pandemic i went to see the christmas carol at the old Vic, and i went there alone and it was one of the most beautiful experience it was just before i went home to hungary yeah. so i was just like i might just go alone there is one like why yeah and it was one of the most beautiful experience because i saw all these families and couples enjoying the show and like their love to each other and their love like life and i'm really i really miss seeing that I really miss yeah. seeing like people in cafes just having deep conversations about life I just miss life I miss seeing life more than miss experiencing it yeah and I think that after pandemic life I think is going to get get the best sort of yeah. people out there and everyone's going to sort of enjoy themselves stuffily because I think yeah. it has taught us how precious life is and the, the amount of people that have sadly sort of passed on because of the, the virus and finally, then, the question that we ask all our guests, and we've had some really sort of interesting answers the past couple of weeks, but if you could talk to someone younger than yourself, what message would you give them? I think just trust yourself. I think the hardest thing is to trust yourself that even there is there is no clear path for you, or there is no one who can tell you that what you're doing is right, or there is no one who can tell you that what you're supposed to do, you got to just trust yourself and trust in the passion which you feel about art and trust in the love which you feel about art and theater or any art forms and just be patient and just wait that it's gonna happen and you might gonna make it so differently than anyone else maybe you know you might you, it might gonna take you like years and until putting on one play but it doesn't mean that your art is not good or it doesn't mean your passion to art is not enough and you have to trust that you have to trust that the strong feeling which you feel about art is what will take you there to be able to express yourself and express what you feel about life and express and just do what you believe art can do for you and for people so so i think that's a wonderful message so the message for this week's podcast is trust the process, I'd say. Bernadette, it's been a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Adam. It's been really fun. And for the rest of you guys out there, I'll see you on the next podcast. Have a great day, guys.